Morning. Uh, are you familiar with this title, The Prosperity Gospel? Uh, many of you um, maybe are. Uh, the Prosperity Gospel is the false or we would even say heretical version of Christianity that basically says, if you give a lot of money to God, then God will bless you by making you healthy and wealthy. Now, my guess is if you are a regular attender at a Bible teaching church, say like this one, that many of you would say that you don't believe in the prosperity gospel. If you see it on, many people see it on TV or you see it on a social media or a YouTube video or, or something and you see some pastor or evangelist and they're saying, hey, if you just give $100 a month to my ministry, then God will bless you with $1,000 a month, right? I, I'm guessing most of you, if you studied the scriptures, would say, you know, that's not biblical. And I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, which is popular in many parts of the world and even in, across the United States. And yet, the prosperity gospel is more tempting to believe in than you might initially think. In fact, I would wager, uh, not that I wager a lot uh, or at all, okay, I shouldn't have said a lot. Uh, I don't, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I would wager that the majority of you listening believe in some aspects of the prosperity gospel without realizing it. I would guess that your beliefs about generosity, uh, specifically what God might do as a result of your generosity, are potentially more in line with the prosperity gospel than what the Bible actually teaches. And so this is going to be really interesting today. Here's what we're going to accomplish. What we're going to do is we're going to study a passage of Scripture like we always do, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, about generosity. And I'm going to cover three ways that you might believe the prosperity gospel without realizing it. Okay, so grab a Bible if you brought one, or you can grab uh, your phone, uh, open the Renovation Church app. You're definitely going to be one of looking and studying the scriptures this morning. If you have the app, you just have Bible and weekly verses. Otherwise, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you didn't catch last week's message, I highly encourage you to uh, watch it online. Uh, we went through verses 6 and 7 and talked about with the right heart, with the right motivation, God can help you be a cheerful giver. And today we're going to go through verses 8 through 15 of chapter 9. So let's take a look. Second Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 8. Paul says this. He says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, that's God, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Okay, let's pause there for a little while. What's the essence of this passage? It's this, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Christians at Corinth, and he's telling them that God's generosity is the motivation for why they should be generous. Verse 8, he says, God is able. God is able to bless you, and by the way, he has already blessed you with his son, and so we should be generous like him. That's what Paul is saying. Okay, but there's some implications here. If God is able to bless us, Beyond just the blessing of his son, what might that actually look like? And here we have the first way that Christians can believe the prosperity gospel without even realizing it. So here we go. Let's throw this up on the screen. Take away number one. They believe 
wrongly, that God's blessing is always financial. Now, this is a real hallmark teaching of the heresy of the prosperity gospel. In the prosperity gospel, they'll say, if you begin tithing, that's giving 10% back to God, say, God will bless you with even more. Well, even more what? The answer is always, in, in their teaching, it's money. And yet, I find that most regular Bible-believing Christians don't actually believe all that differently from the prosperity gospel when they begin to conjecture on how God might be generous to them. So let's say you're about to think about tithing for the first time or being maybe even more generous with your finances, and you start thinking about how God might provide for you, how God might bless you. I think 90% of the time when Christians think about how that might work out, they think of money. But look at verse 8 one more time, if you still have it in front of you. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, not want, need, you will abound in every good work. The witty G.K. Chesterton, who was an incredible writer, uh, once put it this way. He said, There are two ways to get enough. One is to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. You see, this is one of the things that I think the prosperity gospel just doesn't understand, and they miss when they're looking at scripture. So what does it say? God says that he is able to bless you. In fact, he's already blessed you, so be generous. And we're told when he blesses you, you will have all that you not want, but need. And this doesn't necessarily mean he's going to bless you financially. Keep in mind that some of the most miserable people on earth are rich people. Right? Money isn't always a blessing. I've said this before, but one of the things that almost always shocks our people when we do a missions work in Haiti, which is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, is just, they're just blown away by how many happy and joyous Christians they meet in Haiti. And many of the Haitian Christians will say back to us, they'll say, listen, God is so good, and he has just blessed me. And we're going, well, how? How has he blessed you? He's like, I just have all the joy that I need in him. Now, <clears throat> would they want a bigger house if they could get it or more money? Sure, I, I suppose they would. But that's not where they're finding their worth and identity. And even though they live in incredibly poor conditions and their life is really hard, I would ask you the question, has God not blessed them? Is God not good to them? If there's a part of you that wants to answer that question, no, he hasn't been good. It's probably because you're tying God's blessing too exclusively to money, to prosperity. And so for many of us as Americans, our happiness levels are almost, almost exclusively tied to our own prosperity. Did you know that one of the ways that God might bless you, Christian, is by causing you to have less income. I've seen God do this many times as a pastor. If someone loses their job, or they get demoted, or they got to take another job, but it's for less money, and yet, miraculously, through that incredibly challenging season in their life, God does something, and he changes their heart And he blesses them by changing their heart to desire less and be more satisfied in him. 
So here's what I would bet. I, I would bet if you looked deep enough in your heart, you would see that your true desire isn't actually for more money. Your desire is to be satisfied. So we just think, well, if I had more money, then I would be. But what's the, what is at the root of your desire? It's contentment. It's satisfaction. And realize that God can give you contentment and satisfaction with less money. I mean, think globally here. God can give you contentment with less money, just like he does for 99% of the other Christians around the globe who make less money than the average person in this room. Or you can think about it this way, if we really want to get biblical. In fact, with Jesus' frequent warnings about how hard it is for the rich to enter heaven, I would argue that it's easier to find contentment in Jesus when you actually have less money. And how come we never say that God blesses us when we lose money? Chew on that for a little bit. I would say it's because we've let the prosperity gospel infiltrate our beliefs and we're tying blessing too tightly with money. The real blessing is when you find contentment in Jesus Christ. And, and God's blessings are so much more diverse than financial. Uh, one of my favorite Bible commentators, David Guzik, says it this way. I'm going to read you a quote of his. He says, Our giving is rewarded in many different ways, materially and spiritually. Materially, God may bless our giving by promotions, with better pay, unexpected gifts of money, or by making things last so we don't suffer the cost of replacing them. Right, maybe you've got a car that's from 1998 and it just keeps going. That's a blessing, Right? Spiritually, God may bless our giving by freeing our hearts from the tyranny of greed and materialism. Right? That's, that's desiring less. By giving us a sense of blessing and happiness or by storing up rich reward in heaven. There is no end to the ways we can be blessed when God is able to make all grace abound toward us. <clears throat> okay, let's move now to the second way that Christians can believe the prosperity gospel without even realizing it. Uh, number two reason is this. The reason they become more generous or the motivation behind it is because they want their finances to be better. I think this one is actually a bit more subconscious for Christians. I don't mean, a, I do sometimes, but I don't mean a ton of followers of Christ that just come out and say, hey, my finances aren't really in a good spot right now, but I'm going to start tithing so that my finances can be in a better spot. And yet, as much as you might sort of write off that sort of, sort of scenario, for those of you over the last couple of weeks, you've been maybe thinking about being more generous or you're thinking about making the leap to, to tithing. I want you to deeply examine your core motivations for doing so. Why is it that you would do so? Is it because you believe God is good? He's worthy of your generosity? Is it because you want to be generous like Jesus? Is it because he tells you to? Or is it honestly because your finances just aren't in the best shape and you believe that by tithing, God will improve your financial situation. Here's a fascinating a theological question for you. If you are generous with your giving, is God obligated to bless you? Uh, Timothy Keller answers that question uh, with a parable. He says uh, this. Here's a parable. Once upon a time, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, 
there was a gardener who grew an enormous and beautiful carrot. And he took it to his king, and he said, My lord, this is the greatest carrot I have ever grown or ever will grow. And therefore, my king, I present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. Now, the king was so touched by this, and he discerned the man's heart, and he was so grateful, and he said, thank you. And as the gardener turned to walk out, the king said, wait, wait. He said, you know, I own a large plot of land right next to where you live in your your little place. He said, you seem like an incredible steward of the earth. He said, I want to bless you. Why don't you take my plot of land? It'll be yours, and you grow what you can grow and be blessed. Now, as that happened, there was a nobleman who was standing in the castle that day listening to the conversation. And he thinks to himself, huh, now, if that's what you get for a carrot, think of what you can get if you give even more. So the very next day, the nobleman comes back to the castle. And he walks into the castle, and he leads in this very handsome black stallion. And he comes up to the king, and he uses sort of the exact same words and formula, and he says, My lord, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse I have ever bred or ever will breed. Therefore, I present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king also discerned his heart. He said, Thank you, and he took the horse, and then he dismissed the nobleman. And the nobleman walks away, and the king notices that he's incredibly perplexed. So the king calls him back, and he says, let me explain. He said, the gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. And that's not generosity, right? And yet that's how some of us give. Deep down, it's for us. Here's what the Bible is really teaching in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's saying God is able to bless you abundantly with everything you need so that you can serve him and serve others. And many times as you give, God will bless you with finances. Some of you, some of you he'll do that significantly so. But you can't assume that he will. See, as soon as you turn it into an if game... You've misunderstood God, and you've misunderstood this passage. Here's what I mean by this. How many of us, deep down, think, if I tithe, then God is obligated to be financially generous back to me? Again, if you're generous with your finances, God may totally be financially generous back to you. We read in the scriptures, he is certainly able to, but he is not bound to be. Like the prosperity gospel states, God is never bound to do anything because of our actions. I would even say to you, and it's weird, we think that way when we think about giving, but that sort of thinking is something more like you would see in witchcraft than it is in the powerful and sovereign God that we see described in the Bible. You don't control God by your actions. Right? That's what the nobleman got wrong in the parable. He thought he could control the king by his actions. Like it was some sort of formula. If he just does this, then the king has to do this. 
In reality, you have no idea what the king of kings has next for you in your life. The next thing God may have for you is a season of suffering or discipline or death. We have no idea. James says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And yet we're still generous. We're still called to be generous because he was generous. And because we're told that he is able to give us everything we need. Okay, there's a different set of message you may be here on giving, but this is what the Bible teaches. Let's go to the third way now that Christians can believe the prosperity gospel without realizing it. Third way is this. They think the blessing is for them. Okay, let's go back to verse 8 again, which is there's just so much in this particular verse. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, what? You will abound in every good work. So God is going to give us everything we need, so what? So we can obtain more money? No, it says so you can abound in every good work. God will bless you, it's saying, so that you can do more work for him. The same exact idea is clearly portrayed. Verse 11. Look at verse 11 now. Verse 11 says this. You will be enriched in every way. So there's a myriad of blessings happening in your life. So that, okay, this is great. We're going to find out we're blessed. Why? Why are we given the blessing? It's going to tell us right here. So that you can be generous on every occasion. So you're given blessings so that you can give more blessings. It's a cycle of blessings. We often say it this way at our church. We say, you are blessed to be a blessing. That's why we're blessed. One of the main heresies of the prosperity gospel, though, is that the blessing is for you. But Paul says, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. He says, no. When God blesses you, it's so you can pass it on. It's so you can keep the blessing going. You are blessed to be a blessing. You're not blessed for your own satisfaction. The next few verses do a really good job of explaining this even further. Uh, 12 through 14 now. It says, this service that you perform, so being generous, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. So Paul's saying, your generosity results in thanksgiving and praise to God. People are going to praise God because of your obedience. And when you take this leap of faith, you believe that God is able, and you say, I'm going I'm to be generous. I'm going to be obedient to you, God. It is a, it is a leap of faith. Right? We talk about faith a lot as Christians. We're to live in faith. Right? And we do that in many different ways. You live in faith when you uh, take a new job somewhere, or God calls you to move somewhere, or maybe to step into leadership, or God's saying, you've got to get rid of this old thing in your life. And you say, I trust you. We live by faith. But you know, one of the main ways that Christians are called to live by faith is through generosity. Going, I don't know how this is going to work, but I live by faith. I believe that you are able. And when we do that, people are blessed. And it's not just that they're blessed, it's that they, it results in thanksgiving and praise to God. And I believe 
that is going to happen significantly over this next year or two in this church. I keep hearing stories from many of you where your neighbors have told you, your coworkers have told you that, hey, as soon as that building over there opens up, that they're coming. I, uh, last week, I met a number of people who are new to our church at our renovation rundowns. And I always ask people, well, how'd you hear about our church? And there were a number of people in both meetings that said, well, we saw the building going up. And I thought, oh, no one's ever seen us before. <laughs> God is going to move. He's going to move in an incredible way. You know, they are just in this next week over at the building or so, they're going to begin installing our huge custom baptismal that we put right in the stage. Because... We are going to baptize brand new believers over and over and over and over and over and over and over again this next year as God moves. And it's going to happen because of your generosity. And there'll be hundreds of believers who, whose hearts will go out to you, the Bible says, because of what you gave. I know lots of times we give really challenging messages at this church, but when it comes to this, I'm just so proud of this church. I just really am. I think I'm going to just be, as we look back and, you know, in the years to come, I say, oh, do you remember the people who used to go to Renovation Church at North Point Elementary who were there with us back at North Point? I just, I know in my heart, I'm always going to be forever grateful to the people of this church who just gave so generously to make this happen, to help us reach more people for Christ. So just thank you. I'm just, I'm, I'm touched, and I, I know so many of our leaders are touched but just the immense generosity of this church. It's, it's pretty amazing. And now as we come to the last couple of months, we're, re- we're really at the home stretch now. And we've got to finish strong. I, I love what Paul says just a chapter earlier in chapter 8, of verses, end of verse 10 into 11. He says, last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work. This is a verse for us right now with a couple months to go. Now finish the work. So that your eager willingness to do it. So when you pledge, when you said, yes, that's the eager willingness to do it, may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. Uh, we've been saying, if you've been around here the last month or two, we've been saying for, for a little while now that our, our harvest giving for a building actually fell behind a little bit uh, this summer. And I'm happy to tell you that we've begun to start catching up again. Things are going in the right direction, which is amazing, but we're not there yet. Uh, this is the home stretch. You know, just real practically, this is when bills are paid. This is when our church, that's all of us together, we are the church, we are on the hook for paying these companies out there for what we said we were going to have. Now is the time to do what you said with your word and catch up so we can do this. Uh, by the way, really practically, I know that there are many of you in this room who have given significantly to Harvest over the last few years, but you do so kind of at the very end of the year, end of the year giving, December 31st, December 30th. Uh, it is helpful to us. If you, if you are able, you're planning to do that, if you can do that November 2nd, November 10th, November 15th, that is more advantageous to us than December 31st. If you can't, that's fine too. And so, in, in kind of in closing here, as you think about the prosperity gospel and how it may have infiltrated your beliefs, and maybe today you're saying, I just got to get back to Scripture. I got to get back to Jesus-focused giving. I need to be generous like Jesus and not for myself. I think the, one of the ways you just bring yourself back to there is our final verse, verse 15. Let's throw it up. It says this. It says, and thanks 
be to God for his indescribable gift. That God sent his son on a mission from the glory of heaven to the dirt of earth. And even though he committed no wrongs, they killed him for our sin. And even though we didn't deserve it, he offered us salvation and forgiveness anyway. That is generosity. That is an indescribable gift. God trusted that his generosity to you would result in something. Trust the same. Be generous like Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, I pray as we continue to dive into this topic that you help us just have not, not go with what the culture says, not fall into the prosperity gospel, but to just live out your, your biblical truth. And God, I just want to thank you today for what you've done through this church over the last six years as we've been working on this project. I thank you for the generosity of these people. I thank you for the blessings you've given them, and we just we praise you for what's going to happen as a result of their generosity. It's in your name we pray. Amen.